It's time for Morning Soul Shine with Bridget, a podcast where we interview people who express their stories of triumph. I'm your host, Certified Life and Mindset Coach, Bridget Gibson. As we continue to bring awareness to domestic violence this month, we are pleased to have with us on this morning a child of God, a mother, a daughter, a sister, and the author of The Battle for Me, a survivor story. Let's welcome Mashari Bree. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Thank you so much for being here with us. Okay, this book of yours is riveting. That's the word I want to use. I really don't know where to begin with this interview. And because I read your book, and I, I couldn't put it down, I didn't want to put it down, because it was from beginning to end. It was just so much in your book. I don't want to give it away, but I do have some questions for you. But I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, and your story. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. So like I said, thank you so much for allowing me uh, to be here with you and to just, you know, talk more about my story and my journey. So I am a, I am proud to say I'm a 43 year old, <laughs> soon to be 44 year old, um, single mom to 14-year-old twins. Um, They are my greatest uh, blessing, I should say. Um, And I just really enjoy enjoy being a mom, even for someone who thought I was not going to be a mother at a time in my life. Um, I am, I say I'm a survivor of just about everything other than hard drugs and a long period of homelessness. So if you have, if you can think it, I've probably experienced it. Um, Molested uh, at early ages by two different family members, uh, raped, bullied at school, low self-esteem, eating disorders, suicidal thoughts, uh, alcoholism. I tell everybody I was a recovering alcoholic at the age of 21. So by the time I turned legal, I was already uh, actually beginning to a turn because um, I almost overdosed one night. Um, and so that kind of threw, you know, threw me into a period of sobriety. But because my life was still in shambles um, and that was my, my best coping mechanism at the time, I found a way to get back to, uh, to the bottle. Um, so that severe depression And yet through all of this, most people had no idea because I was still going to work. I was still going to church. I was still serving. I was still being, and no one would see behind the mask. And you know, that was one of the the questions as I was reading your story. And you are, you know, you are wonderful and you're you're amazing. Um, just to read your story about, you know, how you continue to to um, grow as a person, even through all your trials, um, your career, you know, um, you didn't let go of the dream that you had for yourself. And through all the different obstacles that you faced, um, reading your book, 
just one thing that stuck out to me was your perseverance, you know, your perseverance to be better. Do you agree with that statement? I would, um, because it is, because there's no reason I should be surviving or survived, have survived, or even thriving in life right now. Um, you know, I've been with my um, main job now over 20 years. Um, I've started two businesses. I write a book, uh, you know, to be really successful, to still be in my right mind, and to still love on people and still have my faith. It is a perseverance. And I say that it did not really all come from me because uh, there were days and times I know I wanted to give up. I didn't want to get up out the bed. I didn't want to keep going. And I say that's kind of where the Lord really kind of had to step in. And and there was just a, I got to keep going. I got to get up today. I got to I gotta go. Um, and I didn't have my children. There was, you know, let me go to work. Let me do this. And then when I had my children uh, at the lowest of my lows, my darkest days, it was like, well, they need a mama. They got to go to school. They got to learn. They, you know, let's get up. Let's get them going. Um, and so that was, that became a, a focal point for my push. And, you know, even with your career, um, you know, you had your ups and downs as far as, you know, because you had to stop at some points in your life um, with your education, you still had that drive to go back and continue. And then I look at your, you know, your desire to serve God and to serve the church. Uh, can you talk about that? That came, um, you know, there are parts of it I really can't even explain. I was, I was raised in a church. Um, now my mom always took me to church. Uh, my father did not so much go. He, he really didn't become saved until in his 60s. Um, and so I was I was out the house by then. I had already graduated high school. But, um, you know, she always took me. She taught me that, you know, God has to be your foundation. And so even when I was not, I don't say doing what I'm supposed to be doing, but even when I was not, you know, going to church like I wanted to, I was hanging out. I was in the midst of this. It was always something that would, you know, God would draw me back. Uh, to him, to the foundation of, I know he's got me. Uh, I know he's going to keep me. You know, I, I had some, um, growing up, I had asthma and I had quite a few times it was really bad. Um, I almost died in 10th grade and it was, I mean, bad, bad. I was in ICU. I was on a ventilator. They weren't sure how I made it as long as I did. They weren't sure I was going to make it. And I just remember looking up thinking it was on a Sunday night and I was like, well, I know they're at church and I know, you know, I was like, well, I know my prayers and their prayers and God's going to see me through, you know, and my mom would always tell me, you know, the Lord promised me that you were going to be okay. The Lord promised me, you know, you couldn't take your life and the devil couldn't either. And those were always just kind of words to me uh, until I began to see and the, some of the stories, you know, that she would tell and some that's in the book of the things that I went through that should have killed me and yet I still survived and kept going and it wasn't until one night when my you know ex-husband was trying to kill me that those words resonated and I took a hold of the promise for myself that God you said you couldn't kill me you know you said because <laughs> I'm looking the devil in his face right now 
And um, and so there was there was always that drive of that's going to keep me grounded when I didn't know, when I didn't understand. I, I tell people I turn my back on God, but I never let go of his hand. Amen. Amen. I and guys, I've, uh, I met um, on Clubhouse, we met and you were in a room and you were telling your story. And when you were talking, I was just sitting there because, you know, women, we as women, you know, we are uh, nurturers, you know, mm -hmm. and we, we want to love and we want to take care of. And you know, just listening to you and then reading your book, um, just hearing and reading about how you, you know, continue to to thrive even after going through abuse um, and just really tragic type situations. And you continue to love, you know, you continue to love through all of it. And I just want to know, where did that come from? Well, now that was a process. Um, while I, you know, like I said, my love for the Lord were due to just not events with God, but I always say with encounters and experiences with Him. Uh, my love for people, however, I kind of had to grow to that because I did not, growing up, I didn't trust people. And to be honest with you, I really didn't like them. And I got to a place where I can love you with the love of the Lord, but I do not care for you very much. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that was yeah. just, I was, you I know, I was like, there was something that kind of grew because my mom was, she had, she has like, I call it like the gift of hugs. And, you know, all in church, that's kind of what she did. She would just, you know, she was a mother in the church. She'd hug on people. She would just love on people. And she would love from a place that I almost didn't understand because I'm like, you don't love me like that at times is what I felt. Mm -hmm. But she always, you know, could see and everyone was like, oh, I love your mom. I love your mom. And I was like, you don't have my mom. <laughs> you know, you don't know her like I know her. Uh, but I'm glad. And I slowly started to begin to see myself becoming her um, in that type of way. And, you know, because I, I was like, I don't, I had a hard time learning to trust people and learning to love people, but I generally want to see them succeed. I generally want to always see people be the best and do the best. So even when, you know, like what I'm going through, if I can help someone, save someone, like I want to, even though you, most people I thought didn't want to see me succeed, but I always wanted to. That was just something I've always been, you know, even from a kid. It's like, I've always wanted to be, you know, that cheerleader friend that, you know, yay, you did it. You know, I'm so proud. I'm so happy. I always wanted to do that. So I've just always kind of have been like that and I just wouldn't you know there's certain things that I just found I would just have to fight for now we're gonna talk a little bit about your book because I want um I want everybody who's listening to this broadcast to get this book this book it it it, it shows so much of a woman's strength in this book right and your story, it's a little bit different than, you know, a, a normal 
everyday household because you actually was married to, let's say, a celebrity. And so along with the celebrity status comes, you know, different types of situations, you know, having to deal with um, extramarital affairs and stuff like that. So can you talk about how that affected your your self-esteem? My self-esteem was not the greatest when we met. Uh, I just was good at faking it. <laughs> I can make it look <laughs> like, you know, um, if you really weren't paying attention, you wouldn't see me shrink in a room. Um, and so, you know, with him, being with him on, you know, one hand, when we were together and we would go out, like we were that couple, like we looked good. I made sure to look good. Um, you know, it was just like, oh, okay. Because I still, from other things, there would be a chip on the shoulder. So I always say my, my crazy kind of could match his crazy at times. <laughs> um, because I, I was quick to fight. I was like, who are you talking to? Who are you looking at? Like circumstances made me uh, be that kind of way. Like my temper got real short and I was like, I'm going to get you before you get me. Yeah. So, you know, I realized like. I so it was just a toxic relationship. It kind of was. And so we just kind of built on that. And, you know, so it was just like, you know, because I had to be that way. But behind closed doors, you know, when he's telling me, mm, you about a seven, you know, I got dimes, I got tens looking at me, but I ain't gonna leave you, you know, for my strong seven. You ain't all that cute. And it kind of would tear me down because I'm like, I guess I'm not matching up. I don't do this. I don't do that. Like He just kind of fed on the low. And so it wasn't that much tearing down that he really, you know, kind of had to do. Yeah. Together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so many um, women and men, you know, who go through domestic violence. Um, that's one of the things there that the abuser does is to try to tear down or to tear down the, you know, their partner's self-esteem in order to keep them under the power and the control that they have over them. Yep. Do you agree with that? I agree. They do. They uh, they tear down your self-esteem. They tear you from any close ties, from, you know, friendships, family, um, you know, anyone that they feel um, basically can speak life into you. And try to get you to see the truth of the situation um, and trying to, you know, to build you up. So they definitely do that across the board. Exactly. Now, as I read your story, and I'm, I'm being very cautious in what I'm saying, because I don't want to give away a lot of stuff. But your abuse lasted quite a while. And I know a lot of people probably ask you, why did you stay? I stayed for uh, numerous reasons. There's a couple of them. I always say too that for one, in the, in the beginning and most of the time, I would not have even identified as being an abuse victim. Um, 
while there were signs leading up and, and I talk about, you know, little things of the first time he hit me and we'd already been together years uh, before I saw that side of him. I heard it from like past girlfriends of, of, you know, he broke one's arm and some other stuff, but I just never saw it. And so that kind of gave me like a, it kind of like a false sense of security. You kind of get like, hey, it must be something about me. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then as our relationship progressed, like I said, it was a hit, you know, you know, here and then, you know, maybe a little scuffle a month, a couple months later. And then so it was so spaced out. But then the day when he knew he broke me at that point, all he had to do was raise a voice. That point, he just had to kind of get in my face. Because uh, <laughs> the thing about me is at that point, it was like, I already know what he's capable of. And so I'm trying to just kind of keep that at bay. So I'm like, all right, let me just temper down. Let me, you know, and literally some days be praying like, Lord, I don't want to go home and have to fight with this man today. Lord, do something because he mad. It ain't my fault. I ain't do it today. You know, am I going to walk in? And is it, you know, hopefully this won't be as bad. And so, um, so that was kind of one of the, one of the reasons why and why probably it took so long. Um, but the major reason why is because I was broken when he met me. And so he was able to pray upon that. I didn't have close bonds uh, to my family. Like I said, I had very low self-esteem. I was dealing with a, a lot of issues. And it just kind of seemed as if this was just going to be the best that I was going to get. Because I wasn't that type of girl that people just wanted to date. I didn't, didn't date a lot in school. Didn't have a lot of boys really trying to be with me as far as in a relationship. I had a lot of men that wanted to hook up. And so, and not really trusting men either. I didn't even believe in monogamy at that point. So it was just like, well, I know what he is. I know how he is. And we started as friends. Like that, that's the key to it all. We started as friends. And so before we ever really dated, before we ever got intimate for months, we were just friends and just talking. And so there was a place where like, he's my friend. And then, you know, we began to be intimate, but we were still friends. We didn't have a lot of expectations. He was doing what he was doing. I was doing what I was doing. And so before I knew it, I was like, well, this must be love. You know, this is what love must be. And I was like, it can't be, this can't be any worse than what the version of love I've already experienced. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's just like, I guess I just got to stick with it, you know, um, because where else was I going to go? Then we got into debt. Then my name was on a lot of things. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. what's going to happen? And then he, you know, he was to the point that he would threaten like, everybody around you. So he was like, oh, you at your, you at your mama's house? Okay, I'll come over there. That's your cousin's house? Okay, I'll be over there. You know, like, you're not yeah. going to ignore, you're not going to do. And I was like, I don't want to bring that to anybody else. You know, this is, I made the decision. Yeah. So I'm going to have to deal with this. And, you know, like, this is just, I guess it's just going to be my life. I'm just going to have to get in line and make it do what it, you know, make it, you know, do what it do, essentially. Um, you know, and that's why that's kind of like how I stayed um, until I began to look at things a little differently and look at me a little differently. Well, you know what? You are a powerful woman and reading your story has just changed my life seriously it really has because if you can endure what you've endured 
and become the woman that God has made you to be. It's telling me that I'm capable of pushing forward. You know, uh, is I'm capable of going to the the depths. You know, to make sure that my purpose is fulfilled. And now you're an advocate, right? So talk to us about that. I am. So once I, you know, we split up and I got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to be ashamed anymore because there's a lot of shame with this as well. And um, that comes with being a domestic violence victim. And so once I began to, you know, stay in my truth and live in my truth, and I was able to, I was contacted by, someone sent me a link for crisis services one day. They were doing their training to be certified as a crisis counselor. And I remember thinking, I was like, if I'm going to talk about this, you know, wasn't sure if I was ever going to even write a book at that point. But if I was going to, you know, talk about it and be about it, then I want to be able to really help the people that really need it. Because I felt that... I think I saw something, I think it was one of the, either one of these sports entertainers, housewives or something else that got up and I guess their boyfriend or husband, I think had hit them and, you know, they were like, I'm a victim, I want to do victim's rights and da, 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 da. And as quickly as they popped up is as quickly as they went away. Mm-hmm. and said nothing else about it and that kind of angered me and I was like I don't want to use I don't want to use what I've been through just to be a platform and then forget about the people that are still in it amen and amen. so I was like no I want to be able to help and I know that my help may change as my platform changes but I I was not going to not become an advocate I did police ride-alongs um you know on weekends on their domestic violence calls because I, you know, sometimes it takes someone who's gone through it to really be able to connect and help someone that's in it. Because if you haven't gone through it, not that you can't still help people, but that's a different level because I'm not judging them if this is the third or fourth time that you've gone back or you just don't know what to do or where to go. If you've never been in a situation where it's like, you know, I'm not sure. I'm like, trust me. <laughs> You can be sure because, you know, most people would not have the constraints that I had in order to leave where he had money, he had access, he had power, he had people in the right places. And so it was just kind of like, where are you going to go when nobody's going to find you? Like, I would have to literally leave and go into like witness protection is what it felt like. And that's what I would tell my parents. I was like, me and these two babies, where are we going to go? Where we gonna go? And I was like, he got friends in all the right places, people that can tap phone, people that work downtown, people that in the work, you know, friends that are cops, where I would literally have to not contact you or, you know, and, I, and so I'm looking at, and when I'm advising other people, I was like, you're, you know, a regular person doesn't have that type of access. No. I'm like, yeah. you can get out. This is what you can do. You can go. You can run. It doesn't make it any easier um, just because you don't have the constraints. It's still hard. It's still a lot. But they just, victims just need someone that understands and not always judges. Well, we're like we're so happy that you're on our side, you know, that you're fighting for us as, you know, 
people of God, you know, because uh, yeah. no one can say they will never, ever go through it. No one can say I'm not going to go through that because we don't know what the future holds, you know. Right. So I just thank you so much for being a vessel to be used by God. And I want you to um, give us some information on how we can purchase your book and how we can follow you. Uh, so you, you can follow me on social media. Um, on Facebook, I am Mashari Bree. That is M-S-H-A-I-R-I-B-R-E-E. -E. It is Mashari Bree on Instagram as well. You can go to my website, which is www.masharibree.com. Spelled the same way, M-S-H-A-I-R-I. -I. Bree is B-R-E-E. -E. The book can be purchased from my website. The book is also on Amazon. It's also um, available in the Kindle version. You can, um, the Battle for Me, just do a search under my name or the Battle for Me, the title, and it will come up there. So those are the ways that you can you can find me, you can track me, you can connect with me. I would love to hear your stories. I would love to hear your thoughts on the book after, as you're reading it, after you have read it. Um, you know, share it with somebody. <laughs> I promise you, I promise you I'm okay. I know. Uh, I was I, like, Mashari, Mashari, I don't want to give it away. I have questions. And you was like, tell them what you told me. <laughs> When I say, can I ask you this, you know, and you was like, no, go ahead and do what you got to do. Listen, and you was like, what was the answer you gave me? I said, ask whatever questions you need to. I'm here for questions. And I said, but spoiler alert, plot twist. I make it. I'm okay. I'm here. <laughs> it's a lot. Yes. It's a, but you already know that. Listen, and you like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? She does make it. She does live. She does make it. Mashari makes it. I make it. Oh, thank you, God. Mashari made it. Yes, Lord. I listen. I don't really take it for granted. Um, every day, and I tell people, you know, that is probably my most encouraging thing: is you can do it. You can keep going. You can rebound. You can come back. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter how tight it is. Your story may not be my story, um, but you're going to find yourself in the book. Some kind of way you're going to find Amen. yourself Amen. Because even, yes. even as I was reading your story, I was going back in my life, you know? Yeah. We yeah. all have done stuff in our lives, you know? Right. And you all through something. And like I said, even if your story is not, you know, nearly as bad, maybe you've never even dealt with some of the things um, you know, that I've dealt with, but there is something that you've overcome. Mm -hmm. There is something that you've battled. There is yes. something that has threatened to literally derail you or take you off. And I want to encourage you that you can get through it. If I can get through all of this <laughs> and come out on top, then you can too. Well, Mashari, you are wonderful and amazing, and I just love you, and I just thank you so much for being here with us on this morning, and is there anything else you would like to say before we head out? Um, I just would love to say, like I said, thank you again for this opportunity. Thank you for allowing, you know, my voice and my story and my journey to reach even more people, and I will say this, 
you want to follow me. I, there is a second part to this book um, that I will be trying to, I will be putting out next year. Oh, you need it, to. It's going to pick up from where oh. this one leaves off and it's going to deal with me. It is uh, the battle from within. So, yes, I am divorced and it seems as if, all right, I ought to be okay. I'm still broken emotionally. I'm still broken mentally. Um, I still have issues I haven't dealt with. So how do I heal to become the person that you see today? That's what the next book deals with. So well, I'm definitely waiting for it. <laughs> I am waiting for that book. <laughs> yes. Yes. So get on it. Get on it. I'm on it. I'm on it. We got to do the hard work. We got to get there. Um, so that's it. So yeah, just like I said, I love to connect. I do not have a problem answering questions. I'm about a, I'm about as an open book when it comes to the situation because if it only helps one person, then that's what makes it worth the while. Amen. Thank you, Mashari. And this has been Bridget with Morning Soul Shine. And we will talk to you on next week. Thank you so much. <laughs>